0: Well, no sell-off in equities after that yelling match that was apparently a presidential election debate yesterday. Why? Well, there's been a, a, a lot of strong data out of the United States, and there's still some hope, however vague, that that stimulus package will still be agreed to. The euro is down because there's delays to their stimulus package, and the pound is up on the hope of a Brexit deal being done, and Andy Haldane from the Bank of England wants people like me to be a lot more positive no room for chicken lickings he says it's thursday it's the first of october 2020 it's the morning call from nab good morning well, US equities are back to their usual tricks, up 0.7% for the S&P 500 and the down 0.4% for the NASDAQ. Uh, they were, that's come back quite a bit in the last hour or so, we'll come on to why that is in just a second. The S&P is the yeah. highest it's been for a couple of weeks. Bond yields are up, three basis points on 10-year Treasuries, five basis points on 10-year gilt yields. Uh, the US dollar has been up and down a bit. It's about a quarter percent down now, helping the Aussie up 0.4%, the pound up 0.3%. The euro has lost a quarter percent. The US dollar Has lost 0.2% on the Japanese yen and half a percent to the Canadian dollar. That's how it all balances out. Commodity currency is doing well, it seems. And on commodities, a 1.5% increase in WTI crude today, even though Brent has fallen. WTI was also quite a bit higher than uh, than that earlier on. We can we can explain that one away fairly quickly. Crude oil stocks from the EIA released this morning for the week ending the 25th of September. It was expected stocks would rise by 1.6 million barrels. They actually fell by more than 2 million. Uh, and iron ore up as well, 5%. That probably explains a bit of the action on the Aussie dollar as well. So let, maybe we can start today by discounting what we said yesterday. Uh, Gavin Friend is here, senior market strategist in London, uh, and he can help with that. Easy for because he didn't say any of this yesterday we said oil was falling because there wasn't the demand seemingly we uh we, we got that wrong and also well maybe we did get this right the heroes act we said that you know it seemed like that was that was dead and yet you know today the markets have been clinging on haven't they to the hope that in america this fiscal stimulus package will happen um but maybe in the last hour or so maybe that's why the markets have turned a bit
1: yeah good morning phil so sentiment uh on the final trading day of the month for the most part As you say, it has been very positive amid hopes, renewed hopes of a uh, fourth stimulus package. Uh, We had also a pretty positive report in the ADP private payrolls for September, up 749,000. There's about 100,000 above consensus. Earlier in the day, we had the China official PMI numbers, which were better again. Just unpicking that a bit, I think. You know, the the, 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 uh, ADP report, of course, comes ahead of Friday's non-farm payroll report, where the consensus is looking for something like 850,000 new non-farm jobs. The problem here is that, you know, the other high sort of frequency employment data stuff that like, we get from home base, et cetera, it sh- shows you that the pace of employment gains is slowing. And, and there's a number of analysts out there, a growing mm. number, they're looking for negative payrolls from the month after this one, so for the October one. Same time, jobless claims, yeah. as we'll find later today, are still running at very elevated levels, around one and a half million, if you combine the, the weekly claims with the gig workers. Um, that's per month. And as we saw in the news earlier today, Disney is laying off, yeah. what, 28,000 workers, American Airlines so those that- or wants to exactly. furlough 19,000, I think another 12,000 yeah. United just keep airlines. on adding them up.
0: So what does that mean about mm. those ADP employment numbers then? Because the, the correlation between them and non-farm payrolls was never that strong but it seems to be getting weaker doesn't it as we've been through this pandemic
1: yeah i mean the margin of error is about two hundred thousand a month um so it's not a great guide but you know so we may get a you know a reasonable number on friday but it's it's the direction of travel it's where uh, if, if this is turning down in terms of you know um uh, employment added is turning down at the same time we're seeing higher unemployment coming through both Both things are moving in the right, sorry, in the wrong direction. Um, I would say though, back to Wednesday, it's that stimulus talk that really kind of has had the market positive. Still positive. Less, you know, less so at the end of the session. Steve Mnuchin continuing to talk with uh, Speaker Nancy Pelosi. Well, he like said talking- he'd offer.
0: He'd, he said he'd offer one point five trillion, didn't he? Uh, and maybe over two trillion if the if the pandemic uh, persisted. Uh, they've still got a lot of uh, op- opposition, obviously from Republican senators. But what's changed? Why has the market suddenly done an about turn?
1: Well, it's the persistence, isn't it? You know, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, we're into Wednesday, still talking and still mm. talking enthusiastically, again, to your point of one and a half trillion versus 2.2 from the Democrats. I and mean, our point would be, why the optimism exactly to your point? I mean, it, you know, it, it, we know the Republicans turned down one trillion um, two weeks ago. So even if Pelosi and Mnuchin were to agree on something, you know, between one and a half and 2.2, Uh, Or even one and a half. There's absolutely no sign of Republicans getting up there as well. The So, you know.
0: Yeah. Okay. Uh, The elephant in the room. That uh, televised squabble yesterday. um, I mean, you might have expected. Do you know what they did wrong, by the way, in that squabble? Do you know what they were doing wrong? They Um, were talking over each other. That was what was happening. Um, (laughs) Yeah. I'm not even going to give you a chance to answer. Uh, there were, I looked at the, the, and, you know, you would have thought maybe there'd be a bit of a market reaction. There was the polls today, CBS poll, 48% said uh, Biden won the debate compared to 41% for, for Trump. But 40% were annoyed by it. And uh, a CNN poll had uh, a bigger margin for Biden, 69% to 28%. But apparently they had a similar poll for Hillary Clinton. Look at how that turned out. But there's zero market reaction to any of this.
1: Yeah, I don't think markets really took much away from it. You know, if anything, Biden may have done enough to cement the pervading view, if the polls are right, that uh, it's his to lose. I mean, if that's the case, uh, and depending on whether the Democrats win both the House and the Senate, we'd see a Biden win as a, a negative on the dollar on the basis of higher taxes, you know, tougher specific sector Regulations and, of course, the Fed having already moved to average inflation targeting, which via lower real yields ought to see uh, the greenback drift lower. The only question, I guess, there is is, I say, is if Biden were to win both the, the House and the Senate, you'd need to look again at whether his um, sort of you know growth mix, the idea of uh, boosting investment and that kind of thing would actually put the US in a better or on a better growth trajectory relative to the eurozone you know given that the eurozone is seen as you know having this recovery fund which is a game changer but
0: is it a game changer i mean it's been delayed hasn't it we uh, i mean i assume that's part of the reason why the euro is down today uh, they just uh, they've sort of had this in principle agreement on the uh, on the eu recovery fund but uh, they're having some difficulties on the on the points of detail so it's not happened yet
1: no well so, so the, the the progress of that fund has hit uh, something of a snag um, in the eu member states a split on whether um, the 750 billion fund recovery fund dispersal should be tied to the rule of law. In other words, that's respect for sort of dignity, human rights, democracy, etc. Hungary and Poland object to this, <laughs> and on Wednesday, uh, the EU Commission revealed a report in a report that it was highly critical of the standards pertaining to the rule of law in Hungary and and, and Poland. No, no surprise there. Mm. Um, now, now uh, the recovery fund needs. Uh, As it stands, all member states to sign off on it for for the dispersal, which means that Hungary and Poland have a say and they need to be kept on side uh, for it to go ahead. But back in July, when EU leaders agreed all this, that funds could be held back, they agreed that funds could be held back for certain countries that did not meet these standards by a qualified majority. So we've got this impasse. It means that the EU needs to find a mechanism to make this work. Germany has already put forward a proposal. That's been rejected. I mean, at the end of the day, we think that the recovery fund is far too important for this issue mm. to uh, to derail it, and a pathway will be found. It's just that...
0: No, we yeah, haven't got yeah. there yet. Well, so, while, so while we're in uh, Europe, Christine Lagarde has been uh, talking today, basically copying off the Fed, hasn't she, with a, an average inflation targeting strategy so they can go over the in, inflation, not that uh, that is something they need to worry about in the short term, I wouldn't have thought.
1: No, that's right. Uh, so she gave a wide-ranging keynote speech on this. She didn't mention, uh, funny enough, the, uh, the Euro's role in all this, which I thought was interesting, given that she could have done. And it kind of suggests that Um, You know, even if the ECB were to follow the Fed down the road of average inflation targets, and they may well do that, um, this is not going to happen anytime soon. The ECB's policy review, which is where this has been discussed, won't be concluded until September 2021. And the governing council of the ECB is divided on this issue Mm. uh, because of that ongoing review. Uh, I guess that's the reason why she stayed away from
0: uh, from pulling the euro into it. And Andy Haldane over at the uh, Bank of England has been talking about uh, too much pessimism. Chicken licking pessimism, he's uh, he's calling it. Uh, he says it's as dangerous as uh, COVID itself. Uh, and uh, you had the Prime Minister there as well giving a press briefing saying uh, Britain should stick together. People should stick to- stick together during the crisis. Uh, you've got to st- st- stick together while socially distancing. A bit of mixed messaging there again. But uh, the pound doing well today. Presumably a bit of that's Brexit, isn't it? Because there's been there's a, a bit of talk about um, giving European fishermen sort of like a phasing out period. So one major, uh, just, well, minor concession Really, but at least there's some movement happening.
1: Yeah, I mean, two things really. The, the stuff on the on the on the on, the, on the sort of EU UK um, trade talks. We may well find as early as this week that talks have gone into the tunnel, the secret tunnel, and we emerge with a deal. It may yeah. take a little bit longer. But back to what you're saying from Andy Haldane about being sort of, you know, too pessimistic. I mean, the UK does find itself in a bit of a bind. You know, we know that one of the big things hanging over markets and particularly the UK is COVID. Cases, new daily cases in the UK, over 7,000 now for the second day running. Um, That's above where we were in the March peak. No chicken Uh, licking. There is a suggestion that the cases are doubling every two weeks. So on that basis, we could be at 30,000 a day by mid-October, which goes back to what the... You know the government's chief scientist was talking about. Yeah. We about and fifty thousand cases. And if
0: they have to do more, there's going to be economic consequences. Either, either, you know, either through lockdowns or or the repercussions of not doing lockdowns. Look, the Aussie dollar doing pretty well today, presumably helped by uh, uh, well some Aussie data, um, but also um, the the numbers from China as well. The PMI numbers from China all up.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, well, there's, there's three things there, isn't there, really? There's those numbers, there's the China numbers, and then there's, of course, because m- markets were optimistic today for most of the day on the idea of a US stimulus, then that's obviously mm. pushed uh, the dollar down a little bit and helped the Aussie back up again. So, to yeah. your point, Aussie building approvals for August, down 1.6% uh, month-on-month after a punchy 12.2% rise in July, the decline in August was driven solely by apartment uh, approvals, which were down 11%. Meanwhile, detached housing uh, approvals rose nearly 5%. The picture here that is emerging is resilience in detached housing where government stimulus no. is, is helping, but weakness in apartments where population growth is key. These numbers, though, were overshadowed a bit by the, uh, the credit numbers, and in particular, the, uh, the, house, the rise in household deposits, Household deposits up 9.1 billion uh, Aussie dollars in August. That's a cumulative 83 billion since the pandemic started. Uh, This is this comes through government payments, super fund withdrawals, they're running about 34 billion, uh, and repayment deferrals, which have offset the hit to uh, incomes. And I guess the sort of possible read-through here is if employment continues to rise. Household sector has a fair degree of liquidity that could underpin consumption going yeah. forward. Yeah, and
0: we've got the boosting commodities, oil and iron or haven't we? Which has uh, uh, helped, lead- yep. and obviously the lead-in for the US and Europe is going to help the ASX this morning because it fell two point three percent yesterday at the uh, the last day of the third quarter. Yes. Look today, uh, US manufacturing ISM, we get that tonight. Uh, that should, uh, I mean, I'm wondering whether the Chicago PMI is going to raise expectations for that. We also get the PC core deflator, maybe not a priority right now. The, the weekly jobless numbers, which have been we've referring to, and uh, the EU unemployment rate for August as well, which uh, perhaps will be up Lots a Lots to focus on there, There's Phil. Absolutely. Uh, the the ISM should be quite positive, yeah. 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 Cool, positive very good. Alright, we'll leave it there for now then. Great to talk, Gavin. See you soon. Thanks. And that's the morning call this Thursday morning. I'm Phil Dobby for NAB, back again tomorrow morning with the return of David DeGaris. He's going to join me as well. See you then.